What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Falcons are 0-2 again, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass high drinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well over here for me. Uh, as always, love seeing your face. Of course. Good to see you back here on the couch with me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 0-2 Falcons, Graham, huh? What we were expecting, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they dragged me in a little bit this week in terms of actually getting a little bit excited during the game. There was at least some hope. There was at least some adjustment on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, we actually got three sacks against Tom Brady, which was huge. Matt Ryan was only sacked once, so the pass protection, even though it still wasn't great, was a little better than it had been against Philadelphia. The play design, I also noticed, seemed to be like Matt was able to get the ball out faster and routes were developing faster than... Uh, than the previous week against Philadelphia, although he still was only averaging six and a half yards per pass, which isn't great. No, but it's it certainly, we saw progress. Yes. Like after, I guess we're just jumping right into this thing here. Um, after the first uh, drive by Tampa Bay where they just marched down the field, just like classic 15, 20 yard plays, every single play, just Tom Brady picking us apart. And then I believe we went three and out after that. I was like, oh, we're like historically bad. Like, <laughs> this is going to be the worst football team in the league. Uh, so then I was happy to see the offense get going. Three out of four touchdowns in the red zone, I believe. Yeah, much better. We did. Um, crazy what Cordell Patterson has been doing so far early. That's That's been a big surprise. Yeah, Cordell Patterson has been excellent so far. He's got, he had five catches for 58 yards. And he also had a rushing touchdown. Only 11 yards on the ground, but two touchdowns for him. Um, he's been more of an X factor than I think we were anticipating. I think we thought he was going to be involved, um, but maybe not to this level. Mike Davis has sort of been ushered to the background, even though he still had seven catches, but they're only for 25 yards. So this offense is still frustrating. I think even though the line was a little better in pass protection, they were still, I mean, Matt was getting pressured all day, every single play it felt like. He was getting pressured. He made a couple of really nice plays to step up in the pocket, including that touchdown to Ridley, which was just something else. thought that was outstanding work by Matt there. The uh, nice two-point two conversion he had when he ran to the end zone. And even those interceptions, I feel like only one of those is really his fault. The other two were tipped. The last one especially, he was mauled by like seven people and just had to get rid of it. I'm not going to get too worked up about that. But it, it's still, you know, I think the frustrating thing about Matt is that he's being paid FU money. And even though I think he's still a good quarterback, he's not worth FU money anymore. Oh, absolutely not. Like, very problematic was that that deep throw to Ridley. Oh, yeah, the underthrow. Ridley had him, like, burned and then just had to, like... I mean, that, that thing was, like, what, eight, ten yards yeah, short of where it needed to be? Yeah. That 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 was not, not good at all. No. Um, so if we can't hit any deep shots, that's going to... We're going to continue to just see these, like, little five, ten-yard routes... Um, and the thing that was frustrating there is they actually had good pass protection for once. It was almost like, holy shit, how did this happen? And, yeah. You know, it was just like, you're just probably not used to it. I'm not trying to make excuses, but it's got to be, you know, it's like an aberration. That just doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. he, I mean, he was, he was able to step up into the pocket, like get as much juice on it as he could. And that's what he came up with. Yeah. So that, that was problematic. But yeah, I mean, he, he did a good job maneuvering around the pocket, which was, you know, it was, we saw a slight improvement on the offensive line. I think you could say that. Yeah. Mayfield went from his 1.4 uh, pro football focus rating to like a 32, which is still horrendous. Right. But not 1.7 or whatever the hell you just said, 1.4. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, if he improves by that much every week, we could be in business there. <laughs> but it, it was just shocking that we were, it was a three-point game going into the fourth quarter. Like, that was, that was great to see. The defense was getting some stops. Yeah, when we needed them, that damn punter really screwed us. Oh, like a, a, a lot of those, a lot of those points that Tampa Bay got were because of shitty punts. Yep, and like one of, the, I mean, the there's the Matt Ryan interception at the beginning of the second half that gave them like ten yards. Yep, and then like just two horrendous shank punts. We haven't cut them yet. We did sign uh, Dustin Colquitt. Is that right? Longtime punter for uh, oh, Graham has no idea. No, I don't. <laughs> Longtime punter for the Chiefs. Uh, he's like 39 years old. Uh, he's on the practice squad, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they're going to give Nizalek one more shot this week. But, I mean, we don't have a good enough defense to be putting them behind the eight ball like that. 
like with a shitty punter. We can't afford that. No. Where's Bosher? Let's bring Bosher back. No, here. Bosher sucks too. They all suck. We haven't had a good punter. I don't know when was the last time we had a good punter. Why is it so hard for us to get a good punter? Uh, I don't know. We're, we're kind of like how Tampa Bay used to be with kickers, where they just couldn't get a good kicker, even though they drafted one in like the second round or something like that, like a bunch of idiots, before they got a real front office and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Brady throws for five touchdowns. Gronk had two. Evans had two. Godwin with one. Yeah, he was able to kind of do whatever he wanted, even though we did get some stops. Uh, it was still, you know, you give up five damn touchdowns uh, to a quarterback. that's still pretty awful. Um, well, in the Gronk touchdowns, it's like no one was guarding him. Especially that first one. How do you not put a body on Gronk? It was like multiple plays in a row. Well, it's just tough. Hall of Fame tight end. Well, they got four guys that can kill you. Four guys that are Hall of Fame caliber uh, players in Godwin, Evans, Brown, and Gronk. Well, you have enough people on the field to have every receiver covered. Well, yeah. At I mean, least it was a man bad, assigned to him. It was bad coverage, no Maybe doubt. Maybe it was a zone. I don't know what was going on there. But. Well, if it was zone, someone would have been back there. If it, or, you know, someone should have been back there if it was zone. Yeah, I don't know, man. So, it was a rough start, but it tightened up a little bit after that. And, you know, questionable Arthur Smith decisions early. Um, that, I mean, it was kind of a Dan Quinn moment in a way where he did not go for it on fourth and one early in the game. Like but we couldn't get, we didn't convert any short yardage things. I feel like we missed on third and inches. I think there's another fourth down we didn't get. Well, it's like, he, yeah, it was back to back fourth downs, and the first one he doesn't go for it. And then the second one, it's a little further and like cl- more on Tampa Bay side of the field. And he goes for that on that one. It's like one of the worst quarterback sneaks you'll ever see in your life. Matt's never been good at it that. It was just horrendous. Like uh, he, like, Went early and away from all the blockers. I don't. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Yeah. So, you know, like we said, we wanted to see some progress in this team, and we did. They scored multiple touchdowns, yeah. and they probably had the best third quarter in five years. Right. Honestly, and that's with that interception. Yeah, to score, uh, you know, fifteen points in the third quarter is insane. That that never happens. Even like in the Mike Vick era. Um, we never seemed to do well in the third quarter. It was like we'd kick ass in the first half, and the third quarter was like we went to sleep in the fourth quarter. We, we you know, would come out with a win sometimes. But now it, it just feels like over the last four years of Dan Quinn, it's just third quarter is just flat as you can get, and that's when the other team comes back in the game. It was, you know, it was nice to see the inverse, even though the fourth quarter was a disaster. I guess I'd rather have a shitty third quarter than fourth quarter. Either way, we know what we're dealing with here. A mediocre at best football team. And a shitty at worst football team. There's no really no way around it. Um, the schedule does soften coming up with the Giants, and I think we have what the Jaguars and the Jets after that. So uh, it's Giants, the Washington football football team, team. and then the Jets. So okay. all this, winnable. The games. season starts this week. If we lose to the Giants, and you know Giants fans are having this exact same conversation. Yeah, if we lose to the Falcons, we suck about them. how shitty the Falcons are. So like, if we lose to the Giants, I'm going to be really sad because I don't want a Oh and five, oh and six start. Like I, I don't want just a. I need a couple of months yeah, of like. Give me some it's false like, oh, hope. We're only a couple games back from give me a some wild false cards. hope. Like something like that. Yeah. So if we lose this week, that's going to be very disappointing. Yeah, and I also will you know eat the biggest crow. Well, I eat crow a lot on the show. It feels like, but here's another one I'll eat crow on. I said the Panthers are going to suck. It looked pretty good against New Orleans. Their defense is fierce. As all hell. I think you also said Jameis Winston was like really good after one game. I did. I, I'm just never a reactionary fan. Yeah, Let's I mean, be honest. I, so I haven't actually watched the Panthers, but I've heard about their defense being really good. Yeah, I was... And then uh, Dar- uh, Darnold is, looks solid, I right. suppose. Right? I was in North Carolina on Sunday and watched a decent amount of the, the Saints-Panthers uh, game, most of the second half, and swear to God, man. I mean that that defense swarmed and just contained the Saints completely. Made Alvin Kamara look like a like a wimp. Made Jameis look like he didn't know what he was doing. Which, to be fair, in his career and prior years, that's how it was. But it was just so weird to watch New Orleans destroy Green Bay that week one, and it was like they didn't know what they were doing against the the Panthers of all people. Yeah, we don't. It's still too early in the season to really know who anybody is at this point. True. Minus, like, Tampa Bay. Right. We knew Tampa Bay is good. They're Super Bowl favorites. Um, I was proud of the way the Falcons played, though. I mean, even though they, they didn't come out on top or really come anywhere close by the end of the end of the fourth quarter, they were competitive. They were in the game. Um, and they showed a hell of a lot more heart than they showed in week one. So there has been progress. 
I guess it just, it's just going to depend on how much progress can be made with this group. And we saw Pitts. Yeah, he had five catches for a team-high 73 yards. Uh, so that was nice. His longest reception was 24. Just incredible acceleration again on a relatively short pass that he just turns into a big game. Oh, yeah, and the pass was, like, very much behind him as well. Yeah, that was <laughs> like, one actually. Not a great pass for Matt, but uh, he snagged it. And, and that was on fourth down as well, Yeah, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was third down. I think it was third, but either way, it was, it was that was a big play. It was a big play, so... I'm, I'm interested. You told me when you got here in our pre-show meeting, that was very formal. You told me that uh, intern Jared had, had a note about this Falcons team. Would you would you care to share that with, with the users? Intern Jared's main point about the Falcons was we showed, we showed some balls, he said. Showed a little heart. But then he went on to a bit of a rant about how, you know, really all NFL teams this year are good. Like everyone could be good because they all have professional football players on their team. Which I just don't understand. Um, well, he's not wrong. Every team does have professional football players. But there are different on levels the team. of quality of football but players. But are they professional football players, Graham? If they play in the NFL, they're professional football players. I hope this turns into like one of the biggest arguments of Atlanta's own history. Yes, yeah, so, so he's not wrong then. Any, any... He is wrong. He's not. <laughs> it's such a. I don't know. I find this point to be idiotic. Sorry, Jared. I know. You, I know you listen every week. But there are bad football teams that are in the NFL. The Jets are a bad team. We are a bad team. The Jaguars are a bad team. Yes, they all have NFL players. That doesn't mean they can be good just because they're NFL players. They're different tiers of skill. You know, for example, like when we played baseball as kids, I was on one tier. You were probably on a two or three tiers above me. You know, Gabe was four or five tiers below everybody. <laughs> and then we knew we also had people like we played, you know, against like the Georgia Shockers. And that kid that would hit a home run every time we played against them. Kenny. Who, Kenny, who was like seven tiers above us. But, you know, if you take a guy like Freddie Freeman, who's probably 15 tiers above Kenny. So it's like, yes, people can, they're, you need a certain skill set to play at a certain level. But once you get to that level, there are also people that are better than you at that level. Does that make sense? But are they professional football players if they're getting paid to play? Yes. You are technically a professional if you get paid to yeah. do anything. No, I, I understand your, your tier argument. Yeah. And um, I think Jared was kind of just blathering when he made this argument. But I think the greater point here is you never know when a bad team is going to be like move up a tier. You know, It happens every year. Sure. Some teams drop off. Some teams go up. Because they all have professional football players on them. Right. So, so we, we can say definitively, Graham, mm-hmm. that the Falcons have a roster full of professional football players. Right. We know that much about this team. Some of them might be practice squad players on the Tampa Bay, for example, but yes. Name one. That would be a practice squad player in Tampa Bay? Yeah. Uh, Zacchaeus would be a practice squad <laughs> player in Tampa Bay. <laughs> is, that, is that receiving core as deep as uh, the Amazon River? Yeah. I don't even know if that's a good metaphor, no, but you know I, what I, I mean. I don't think so. I would have gone with like a, an ocean, probably. This, let, let's talk about these receivers we got on our football team right now, Graham. So, Adam, before you start, <laughs> guess how many players caught a pass last week for the Falcons? Oh, this is good. Um, like 10 or something yeah, like 10, that, Yeah, right? 10 people caught a pass for the Falcons. I mean, that's great to see. That's like, that's what we used to do. Like, right. we had a good offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like Kyle Shanahan shit right there. Yeah, I saw even like, what, Lee Smith got involved, Tajay yep. Sharp. Uh, he didn't hurst though. I want to talk about him. He underutilized. Had, he's very underutilized. So... He was only on the field for 30 of 72 offensive snaps. That's silly. I mean, that that makes zero sense. And, like, you could see how desperate we were with, like, Russell Gage was very clearly hurt on Sunday, and they were still throwing him out there because it's like, well, 75% of Russell Gage is better than 100% of Christian Blake and, you know, Parker Hess or Tajay Sharp. So... I want to see Hayden Hurst get more involved in this offense. Like I agree. I mean, I think the way we utilized him initially in the, the Eagles game was great. He was coming out of the backfield. He was being used in the flat. Um, you know, there are a number of ways you can use him. He can. He, he's a all-purpose tight end, I think. Obviously, Pitts is the superior talent, at least on paper, and Pitts should get the majority of the reps. But there's nothing, nothing stopping you from lining those guys up on the line at the same time or splitting Pitts out and putting – uh, Hurst in the primary tight end position. I, 
like I want to see a little more creativity from from Arthur Smith in terms of those these formations because we kept hearing how they're going to share the field. Kept hearing how Kyle Pitts is going to line out wide sometimes, and I'm just not seeing that enough. I mean, I've seen him like in the slot receiver position. Yeah, which is which is fine. Like, I mean, I'm I'm cool with that, but it's like diversify, man. Yeah, and you've got to think that our pass blocking would also improve a lot more with having both Hurst and Pitts out there. Like you saw on the the Patterson uh, touchdown run that he had, like Pitts just laid somebody out on a block. It, it was just a, a thing of beauty. So I mean, that that's another part of Pitts that is a little undervalued is what he can bring to the block. I mean, he has to as a tight end, you know. Yeah. So this week will also be interesting to see what we do with the wide receivers because. Russell Gage, I believe he's supposed to be at least limited in this game. So that, to the point where they, they tried out a couple veteran receivers this week, including John Brown, who's a very crafty guy. Uh, I believe he's played with the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Bills for a few years, and he asked to be released from the Raiders. I guess he wasn't getting enough playing time. So he would instantly be our number two wide receiver, I believe, over Gage. I mean, uh, definitely our number three. If, if they bring him in. Especially so, if Gage isn't healthy. I mean, I, I, you know, I was talking Gage up in our preseason show. I mean, he showed a lot to me last year that he was ready to be a number two receiver in this league. Haven't seen it yet. I think part of that is due to his health. But yeah, John Brown would be an interesting addition if he can provide any of the value he used to provide. He's kind of a speed guy, a little bit of a smaller guy. Kind of fits in to a similar profile with Gage um, in terms of their skill set. But... Yeah, it would add some needed depth to this team because if Zacchaeus is our number two receiver, that's a problem. Well, I guess the other option for this week anyways is to – you could put Patterson out wide more. And, yeah, and which activate. would be fine. Wayne Gallman hasn't even been active the first two games, which is seems a little strange to only have two running I've never backs. heard of that before. Yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe they could just play Patterson at wide receiver more this week and activate Gallman. So we, we shall see, Graham. We shall see. Yeah. Let's talk about this Giants game a little bit. Um, I think the Giants are 1-1. One one. They beat uh, Washington football team last week. Daniel Jones is going to be a problem, I think, for us. Is he, is he good now? He's better, and he runs the ball. He ran for 90 yards last week against Washington. He's not as, like... He's not Lamar he's not Jackson. He's as fast as, like, Jalen Hurts, though, you know? No, he's not. But, he, but any quarterback that can, you know, even has an inkling of having the ability to run the football always poses a problem for the Falcons historically and this year as well. So to me, I think, even though I know Jalen Hurts is only one game, let's be honest, if Jalen Hurts tears you up, other people can tear you up as well. I feel like Daniel Jones is going to have a big day on the ground and a big day through the air, particularly because it looks like A.J. Terrell is not going to be able to play this coming week. Yeah, that that really sucks. A.J. had a couple of fantastic just high-flying pass deflections. Oh, yeah. Saved touchdowns on both of them, and he concussed himself on that second one. So, Dr. Graham, how's, how's this concussion protocol work? Well, I believe if you don't pass concussion protocol, you have to miss your next game, I think. I'm just making this up. I th- <laughs> but it is it is a thing that will prevent him from being able to play. If he doesn't clear that protocol, he ain't playing. And it's already Thursday when we're recording this. Um, you know, three days or so before the actual game's going to happen. And I just don't see feel like it's going to be a, a realistic possibility for him to play if he hasn't cleared protocol by this point. He hasn't practiced, I don't think, this week. And um, it, it's, it, it'll be a huge issue because also, you know, Jones has built up a really nice rapport with Sterling Shepard, went over 100 yards and had a touchdown against Washington. Uh, he, had, he put up similar numbers in their week one game as well. Uh, Kenny Galladay is their number two receiver. Hasn't really been involved as much, but we know from his years in Detroit that he can be a lethal receiver as well. And Galladay, he's had like two good games, and he's just always hurt. Well, I'm just—he's a big tease, is but what he is—he's he, inconsistent, but he has big playability, and he, he has been—you know—in Detroit, he has been a beast before. And so I'm just saying it's going to pose problems for the Falcons, particularly I think with Shepard. Shepard is a more solid, more dependable receiver, and he could have a big game against against us this week. After facing Tom Brady and that Buccaneers wide receiving core, like Sterling Shepard, like, come on. I know, but you're going to be missing your top corner. Sure. Which is going to suck. It's not ideal. No. But it's it's never going to be ideal to not have Terrell out there. No. No matter who we're playing. Well, it's never going to be ideal with any of these corners outside of Terrell or the safety tandem. I have not been impressed by thus far, particularly in their inability to cover tight ends. 
Um, even I know Gronk only had 39 yards, the way they utilized him in the end zone, or the red zone, was just, it was like we couldn't do anything. I mean, this defense, they, they're going to have to eventually force turnovers. Like, that Moreau dropped interception was brutal. It was. Like, we can't have that. Can we talk about one good thing of the defense, though? Please. Was, um, like I mentioned, we got three sacks. Dante Fowler Jr. finally made a play that was memorable. A strip sack fumble. Yeah, I, I noticed him, like, multiple times on the field. Like, he, yes. he looked good. Yeah, he was getting pressure. Maybe he's finally getting into a groove. And if that can, you know, carry over week by week, it would be nice to be able to have a formidable defensive end on the defensive line. And my boy Marlon Davidson also had his first career NFL sack. Yep. Granted, Tom Brady kind of just fell down. But he, hey, he got the pressure there. To, we'll take it to make a move up in the so if, if he can be a force next to Grady, like it, it can become a serviceable line. I'm also sitting here disgusted because we're watching the Braves game right now where we were up four to one, and then Jacob Webb comes in and gives up a three run home run on a hanging curveball right down the middle. I might have been your boy, make, Graham. Yeah, my boy. He had been pitching well. No, he's been good. He just made a That's bad pitch happen. there. Um, we got to have this game against the Diamondbacks. We do. We we can't. We, we need a four game sweep. Yes. So, anyways, I'm a little distracted by the Braves right now uh, to talk about this stupid Falcons team against this stupid Giants team that's going to break my heart if we lose, Graham. Absolutely break my heart. Like, football's going to be dead if we if we lose to the Giants. <laughs> football is going to be dead. I yes. think. Well, it's one of those things, Adam, where even if your team dies, football moves on. It's kind of like life. You lose a loved one. You, like, the world is a different, you know, looks different to you. You have a weird perspective on things. And yet the world continues. It the season continue. continues. And we have enough like gambling things going on to keep us engaged in other games. But, man, like the Giants, Washington football team, and the Jets. That could be three and two. It could. It could. So I saw some loser on a, like NFL Network or something had us going five and two. Like After our 0-2 start, he's like, oh yeah, the Falcons are going to be five and two. Oh they, yeah, so you're five and two or five and three. Either way, we'd be over five hundred. Yeah, which would be wild. Yeah. Can I mean, you imagine being over five hundred? No, I cannot. <laughs> when was the last? Uh, when was the last time that happened, Adam? I think the 2017 season, where we lost to Philly in the second round. I think that was the last time we were over five hundred. Really? Maybe not. What did we do in 2018? Well, that was the year I think that we beat the Eagles in the first game. Maybe. No. No, I, I think it's I think it's been that long. Either way, it's been a while. So I think we started out 0-5 last year. Yeah. We started out 0-1 the year before that. I mean, it's it's dark time. This is a Falcon City. Now, I don't know, excuse me. This is not a Falcon City. It's been a Falcon City in like five years. This is a Hawks City now. And the good news is, Adam, Hawks training camp is starting. That's all I can <laughs> tell you. That's the best news I can give you right now. Uh, as the Braves have lost the lead 5-4 to four now to Arizona. I'm disgusted by this, Grab. This is... They have like 46 wins all year. But hey, the, the Jared argument applies. They have Major League Baseball they players. Do. They do. They, they have do. potential to be good at a specific point. Maybe if he had been more specific with this point. They have the potential to win a game at some point. That doesn't mean they're a good team, yeah. but they can put up a fight every once in a while. Yeah. In fairness, 3-4 of four against the Diamondbacks is like... What we really needed. It's acceptable. We, we already got that, but you don't want to blow this. No. It's the stretch run. So, Graham, are, are we done with Falcons? Do we have anything else to discuss? Um, I don't really have much else. I guess we'll see what happens against the Giants. Uh, the only other thing I'll say I'm also kind of worried about is uh, Saquon Barkley potentially going off. Because he hasn't really done much so he's far. Kind of, he's been kind of hurt, I believe. Yeah, but I feel like this is the perfect like get-right game for him. But let's, let's be honest, too, though. The Giants have a lot of issues. Their offensive line isn't great. Their defense isn't great. I could see this being another high-scoring game if the Falcons' offensive line can improve a little bit more than what they did against uh, Tampa Bay last week, which was already a drastic improvement over what they did against Philly. So I think the Falcons have a decent chance to win this game. But, you know, I, I have no expectations for this team, and I think having any expectations at all is a fool's errand. Well, I expect to win, and I'll be devastated if we lose. Well, absolutely devastated. I think the Falcons this game probably, means so much to me, Graham. I can tell. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be zero three. <laughs> how many years? Like, uh, how many years of, of your life do you think has been lost to the Falcons? How many years have they taken off your lifespan? Do you think? Man, um, 
well, we can figure this out. So <laughs> pull up my fancy little calculator app here. I think we've been hardcore Falcons fans. At least I have since like 98, 99. I wasn't as hardcore in the Falcons as a kid as it was to the Braves. So just from strictly game watching time, that's 48 hours a year, which isn't that much. Right. But in terms of like devastating losses, in terms of how it makes you feel emotionally, what that does to your body. Forces you to drink more, you know, et cetera. Well, yeah, and then it just like puts me in a sour mood the rest of Sunday and I, Monday too. Like, oh yeah, a Monday morning wake up, drive into work, like feels so much better if your team wins. Yeah, I remember I used to get when we had uh, the stock and season tickets after the, if they lost any game, you were devastated, and then you would be a surly bastard until about Wednesday of the next week. You'd not <laughs> want to talk to anybody. And that, that was in like high school. Yeah, I was in high school. Yeah, you were angsty because of the Falcons. Which is hilarious. I just want one championship, Graham. Is that too much to ask? It is. Especially on teams where we have talent. It's like... Well, I don't think it's realistic to expect the Falcons to win a damn championship this year. But there's certainly there have been years where they should have won. I'm not asking for a championship this year. All I'm asking for is like... At some point. Looking forward to sitting down at 1 o'clock or 9.30 a.m. every Sunday. And uh, enjoying three hours of football. Sure. Like, I, I enjoyed the first three quarters this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then it fell apart real quick. So, this is a big game for me, Graham. I, I can tell. Everybody send thoughts and prayers uh, to the Atlanta Zone Twitter account at ATL Zone Sports for Adam's mental health. Especially with doing this whole football podcast, pigskin podcast network that we're part of now. Right. Like... To just have to troll trudge through, and there's 17 games, so if we're just awful, like what if we're like 0-10, Graham? And we got to sit here and dissect Cordell Patterson. Corderell Patterson. Cordell Patterson. You still didn't say it right. Corderell Patterson. Corderell Patterson and how he's our best player. That's the crazy thing to me is it's like, he's got a burst, man, when he touches the ball. See, I'm doing it right now. I'm dissecting Corderell Patterson. I'm even I'm even contemplating using Corderell Patterson and DraftKings this uh, this weekend because so I feel like he's not going to be owned that much and he puts up decent numbers. Now he's touchdown dependent, but he's a guy that he's the only person I feel like I can really rely on in the offense. He's definitely a guy, Graham. He's definitely a guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What I'll ask you. Last thing I'll ask you about the Falcons, Mike Davis. Can he get going? You know, Graham. I'm looking at these running numbers from last week. And Patterson averaged 1.6 yards a rush versus Davis's 4.2. So I think he just needs more touches. He only had nine touches last week. We had nine rushes. He had seven catches. So he had 16 touches. Yeah, but a lot of his catches are like dump every, off. Everything. Yeah, dump off. He's already behind the line of scrimmage. He has to battle to try it's to get not a, a yard or two. Designed play for him. Right. Yeah. But only only nine, like 20 rushes total. I mean, two of those are Matt Ryan, you know. It's like, I think he needs a solid 15 to 20 touches. Well, what I think will be, I think he is the key this weekend. Because he's gone up against two really formidable defensive lines in Philly. And then the best one in the league against Tampa Bay. So, it's going to be tough sledding out there, right? So, my thing is, is that the Giants do not pose as considerable a threat in terms of stopping the run as those two teams. So, I feel like this is a Mike Davis coming out party mm. game. I think we need to feed him early. We need to feed him often. We need to get him involved a little more in the pass game. Some, come up with some wheel route, wheel route, wheel routes. Jesus, I feel like I just had Tourette's there, or uh, some other disease. But wheel routes out of the backfield, going up the field for him. Some design passing plays. Get him involved. Get him a lot of touches. I feel like this is the game to ride Mike Davis. We also want to keep Daniel Jones off the field. We want to keep Shepard off the field, and we need to control the ball. I mean, one thing I really loved watching the Ravens-Chiefs game, and to compare our offense to the Ravens is, is stupid, but that last drive, the reason they won is that they were to keep Mahomes off the field for a long time in, in the fourth quarter. We need to take that approach and try to wear down the Giants with our running game, and we need to shove it down their throats. And I've, I want to see 60%, like 65-35 in terms of splits of run and pass. I really want to see, I really want to lean on Mike Davis. I feel like he can be a big-time uh, factor workhorse running back this week. I don't think anyone's expecting it. I mean, as long as we don't fall behind early like we did against Tampa Bay and Philly. Right. You can't fall behind early. Yeah. But I mean, that's last week, Matt Ryan had to throw it 46 times. Right. Which is understandable considering we were down the whole time. 
but that's just way too many. Right. Like we need to get Matt Ryan to, where he's like 20, 25 passes yeah. a week. I mean, I would be, I would be aggressive in this sense. And like, if I win the coin toss on Sunday, I'm going to say, give me the ball. Let's establish how this game's going to work. Nice seven and a half, eight minute drive. Yeah. Shove it down their throats. Exactly. It, it is the best I've felt about like the running back tandem on the team since like Pinnacle, Tico, Freeman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think both of these guys, they could be guys for us, Crab. They can. Yeah. And I think Mike Davis. This is this is the game. My bold prediction this week is Mike Davis will have a hundred yard rushing game with two touchdowns. I like that. My prediction. First Kyle Pitts touchdown this week. I like it. I think, yeah, Pitts is going to come out this week, and I think Davis is going to come out. I don't know if we're going to win, but I think those guys are going to contribute more than they have so far. Oh, we're going to win, Graham. We're going to win for your... We are going to win for my... PSA to the Falcons. Adam might be on suicide watch if we if we don't win this I game. just want a really <laughs> fun, joyous Sunday. Let's watch this game together. Have some Let's drinks. Have some drinks, yeah. have some fun, right. and just like really feel good, get a good solid win against the Giants. Get to like watch the four o'clock games, like enjoy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dissect what happened. It's like, oh, you were right, Mike Davis, man, the coming out game. Yeah, oh, Pitts had that 40, 40 yard touchdown pass. That was awesome. Like, Stiff arm that linebacker. Looks, to the he's ground. totally worth it. Look, Justin Fields, he's getting a first start. He looks terrible. We totally made the right call. Right, based off one game. Yeah, <laughs> based off <laughs> week three, three games in their career. Well, that's what football is? It's li- like just completely extrapolating. Tiny moments that don't matter at all. And, uh, you know, just being like, yeah, that was the right thing to do. Totally. This guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Did you see that block? That was sick. That's what I want, Graham. Right. It's like when Jake Matthews pancaked that guy earlier in his career, and we are like, oh, my God, this guy's definitely a Hall of Fame yeah. tackle. Yeah. yeah he's been okay. He's, he's fine. He's fine. He's serviceable. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps <laughs> up our silly-ass Falcons coverage. Oh, man. And we will be transitioning now to a word from our sponsor. So, Adam, an exciting news uh, in the Pigskin Podcast Network world, the network we're a part of. Uh, We've officially entered into a partnership with DraftKings, which means that we're going to give you a nice, nice ad, nice opportunity from our friends at DraftKings. I've played DraftKings for years. It's always a lot of fun. And they've got a special offer, particularly for uh, new users who are fans of shows on the Pigskin Podcast Network. So, Adam, I turn it over to you to relay this message from our friends at DraftKings. That's right, Graham. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Just head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place your $1 bet to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not your thing, it's not my thing. I prefer the uh, Daily Fantasy stuff. DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their Daily Fantasy contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. DraftKings is a lot of fun. I've been doing it for like seven years. I made some money. It's a good time. So... Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per... What per customer restrictions apply? See DraftKeeps.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Question mark? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best part of the podcast. Arguably. All right, Adam. Now that we've had a nice word from our friends from DraftKings, let's transition to a sport I never bet on, baseball, and specifically, your Atlanta Braves. Yes, Graham. I feel a lot different about these Atlanta Braves right now than I did about an hour ago as I'm watching what was a 4-1 lead, now being a 6-4 deficit to the last place Arizona Diamondbacks. But we're going to let that go because we could come back and win this game. And since we last talked to you guys, we lost uh, the last two games. Well, we lost two games to Colorado, and then one was rained out, I believe. Yeah. And brutal 
6-5 extra inning loss Friday. Against the Giants. To the Giants. Courtesy of your boy, Will Smith. Curtis, I could not believe. Like, I was watching that game um, at my house with Philly John Ooh. and future intern Max Schellebarger. Is there a future intern? Uh, probably not. He has... No, he likes the Braves. Yeah. But that's about it. He likes sports, but I, I don't think he he would give us anything. To Did you tell everybody to just get the hell out of, out of the house after well, that? Well, like, we were just like, it was a great night. We were watching the Braves. We were playing darts. It's really competitive darts. I was like, man, look how good Will Smith looks right now. He was throwing like 94, 95, painting corners left and right. Then it gets to two outs. I was like, huh, suck it. Grant Will Smith's going to come up with a big save against the best team in baseball. See, he's a real closer. Hangs a slider. Yep. Bomb. Shocking. Couldn't believe it happened. And then for that game where it went from there, just the terrible, terrible irony of Kevin Gossman, of all people, pinch hitting and getting a damn sacrifice fly to win the game. Yeah. Gut puncher. Yeah. Like that that game, like Saturday, I, I just like woke up and like all throughout the day I was like, I can't I can't I can't believe we lost that game. Like I'm really I'm really sad about that. Like <laughs> that that's how it's gonna feel if the Falcons lose to the Giants. Sure. Week. So that was a brutal loss Saturday, just another terrible two nothing loss. Offense had absolutely nothing going. Um and then an awesome, like best one of the year, Sunday. Three nothing win. Three nothing. Freed, absolutely dominant. That was big. That was postseason balls right there. Seven shutout innings, and uh, Adam Duvall gets the huge two run homer. Like he's just been amazing all year since coming to us. And Eddie Rosario hits for the freaking cycle. Yeah, who would have thunk it? In five pitches, Graham. That's the fewest pitches like since nineteen hundred which is when they first started keeping that stat for a player hitting for the cycle. He's been unbelievable uh, since coming here. He has an OPS over 1,000 as a Brave. Quality at bats. Um, he's usually not as free of a swinger. But yeah, that, that day, he was just seeing, they were just giving him good pitches to hit around the county, took advantage of it. First Puerto Rican player, I don't know if you knew this, to hit for the cycle since 2010, for what it's worth. That's really cool. And the second... Brave to do it this year. I mean, how many times has that happened where you have two different guys on the team hit for the cycle in the same season? Yeah, there's been four cycles in all of Major League Baseball this year, and two of them were by the Braves. Pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I didn't realize he was Puerto Rican until um, I saw Roberto Clemente Day. Mm. He was wearing Roberto Clemente's right. number, and he hit a home run on that. Day. Yeah, so that's great. Pretty cool. Yeah, he, he's he's been just huge for us. Out of all well. the guys coming over... I think Soler was the one person I wasn't expecting that much from, which I look like an idiot now, but Rosario I also just wasn't expecting shit from. But you think about it. Those three guys that we got that have been so impactful for this team, Soler, Duvall, and Rosario, we got all those guys for, uh, all due deference to the people that we traded them for, we got them for pretty much trash. You know, the, the carcass of Pablo Sandoval, some minor leaguer no one's ever heard of, and I can't remember who. And uh, Alex Jackson, who was, didn't have a future in this organization. Yeah, I, for, I forget which trade it was. One of the like pitchers that went away like has a little bit of potential to be something. I think he was. That was the Solaire one. Was that the Solaire trade? Yeah. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it's just like Alex Anthopoulos really deserves so much credit. Yeah, and I, his I, entire scouting team. I mean, good God. Like I, I realize this team is. It's been a weird season. Like. We are still in first place, which is the goal at this point, even though we're going to lose this freaking game to the terrible Diamondbacks. But that's okay. But it's like, beyond that nine-game winning streak, we're 500 ball club this year. But, like, it doesn't feel like that should be the case. It's like like we're still trying to figure out, is this, are we good? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, like I said last week. We can be good. We can be good. We're way too dependent on the home run ball. For sure. Don't that's, play small ball at all. And that's going to bite us in the ass in the playoffs. That's why I think we were a first-round exit in the playoffs. until you know. And I think there's not enough time in the season to really develop any other approach. We also have a guy in Dansby Swanson who's hitting you know, under 100, who I advocated to be moved to the top of the order like a dumbass. Um, <laughs> you're really calling yourself out this week. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to admit when you're wrong. But uh, 
you know, I just wanted a change, but I really applaud the move that Snicker made to move uh, Solaire. It makes so much it sense. It makes so much sense. Why don't so, we ever think of that? Well, Solaire Freeman. Because we're idiots. We are idiots. And and it's one of those things. But I did say, like, I want somebody with a high on base percentage to be hitting first and another guy with another high on base percentage to be hitting second. That's exactly what he did. No, I, so and, Laird, and he wanted Ozzy further down in the lineup so he can get our RBI opportunities. Yes, and it's, and it's, it's working, working, Graham. Yes. You're not an idiot. I'm, I'm only like a quarter of an idiot. But, yeah, like, I, I really like this new lineup construction. But I still worry about the overall approach. And even though Duvall is just, you know, he's going to have like 42 home runs probably by the end of the season, maybe more. Uh, I got robbed of one last night. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I do worry about the approach of this team if we still make the playoffs. We, you know what? I mean, we, we, we got to be honest about something here with, with, with this team is that Philly, unfortunately, has played decent enough to hang in the race. And even though the odds are still very against them, we're like 12 games left or something like that. Um, I think even counting today, there's 12 games left. And they're, they're down by three games. I mean, let's be honest. If they, you know... If this stays until we play them, which I think we play them next week, I think a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series, uh, you know, that's going to be some high stress, uh, high energy baseball. Oh my God. I didn't realize. I thought there were some more difficult teams for them. So, like, they won two out of three against Baltimore, which thank you, Baltimore, for getting one against them. Yeah. I told you they could, they could, they could steal one. Yeah. Uh, now they have Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh has been giving a couple teams a little bit of trouble, but it's a four-game series against Pittsburgh, and then the three against us, and then three against Miami to close it out. Yeah. So it's like, so there's only ten. There's only ten games left. Actually, I was I was wrong. There's ten games. We had to play San Diego, which which is a good thing now. Yeah, I mean, they're well, well, they're not, not dead. Well, not only do we have to play them, but we we have tomorrow is Friday, correct? So yep. we have there's two games tomorrow because we're resuming a game from when we played them earlier this year. It's oh, a, that's right. Yeah, so we're resuming the game. Where I think right. we're down two with like two innings to play. Right. So that's huge. Yeah. It's, and it's and we're, we're the home team in San Diego for that one. Yeah, but it's going to be scary. I mean, I, I feel like you know we have a tougher schedule down the stretch than than they do. Uh, you know, we do three at San Diego. Three at home against Philly and then three at home against New York Mets. Mm, that's so, brutal. And then possibly, if let's hope it's not needed, but there was a rainout. That rainout from Colorado would be replayed. If there's like, postseason, yeah, implications. If, exactly. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm nervous. Like, yeah, especially with us po- probably losing this game to Arizona now. Like that. The, that's brutal. Yeah, the math is still technically against the Phillies. The problem is that they have the easier schedule. All we really have to do is do decently enough against San Diego, take two or three against Philadelphia, take two or three against the Mets, and we're fine. So We bury Philly if we beat them, if we win that series. The good news is... As long as we don't get swept by San Diego. So I'm looking at pitching matchups that are lined up right now. So game one, Tuesday, is Wheeler versus Ian Anderson. Wheeler has gotten his shit together recently, as being his fantasy baseball owner, just he, letting you know. Well, as Ian Anderson's fantasy baseball owner. He had a great start yesterday. He did. And as a Braves fan. And he's looked good. And I, th- I thank Christ that we have our three best pitchers going in this series. Yeah, so yeah, so it's Wheeler, Anderson, Nola, who has not been good this year, versus Morton. And then Gibson versus the Bulldog. Who's that, Kyle Gibson? I don't know too much about how he's been doing. I don't know either. 10-8, and 3.51 ERA. No, 3.51 ERA is solid. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough series. In, in September... Let's see here. Four starts. 27 hits and 21 innings. It's not very good. 18 runs. Looks like he's been getting shelled. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's a gettable pitcher, but it, it's still going to be a tough series. And you know that it's not going to be treated like any other series. It's not going to be treated like, uh, you know, just a getaway day in Arizona. Like how we're treating this now, unfortunately. It's just going to, you know, <laughs> it, these are going to be the toughest games of the year. Yeah, I'm I, nervous, Graham. I'm nervous. Me too. It's crazy how my confidence. Just last week, I suppose we jinxed it talking about. We didn't do anything. We have no control <laughs> over what happens on the baseball field. If anyone legitimately believes that, I fear for your sanity and for your mental health. <laughs> I'm talking to someone very specific right now. Yeah, yeah. But just last week, regardless of whether or not it affected the Braves in this 
probable loss to the terrible Arizona Diamondbacks. We were just we were talking about playoff rotations. Sure. And now I'm nervous looking at these schedules. You know the well, Mets. The Mets are going to be obviously out of it when we play them. They're going to want to beat our ass. They're going to yeah exactly. Yeah. That's going to be their freaking World Series yeah. is what it's going to be. Right. I, I bet and it's at New York. I believe it's here. It's oh, it's here. Yeah. Although we suck at home. We do. That is a problem. But you know what the good news is? Is that Philly has shown me over the course of the season that they are even more inconsistent. Heart. They are, well, not even, I don't know about heart, but they're even more con- inconsistent than we are. Um, so I'm not, I'm still not too, too worried as long as we beat them. As long as we can win at least one game in San Diego and then beat their asses when they come here, it's okay. But it's really going to come down to head-to-head. We can't rely on anybody helping us. And they can't rely on anyone helping them. It's all about what can you do in a head in, in a three game series head to head, which I think is great. It should come down like it, it should. It, you know, divisions should be decided like this. So you know what it's really coming down to then that first series of the year, like the first week of the year, where they called that guy uh, Bone safe, where he didn't oh, touch home plate. What I was saying? No, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I just forgot about how stupid that was. Yeah, like, and I remember at the time saying. Or Bray's Twitter saying, if we lose by one freaking game, it's this. Like, every game matters. That's what's crazy. 162 games. Like, you can kind of just say, ah, April, who cares? It counts the same as these games we got going on right now. Yeah. So, like, all the blown saves, bullpen being terrible, offense not being able to move a runner over that just compiled throughout the season has got us to the point where we got to battle. We got to fight our asses off to close this thing out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want that for, I know you're not a division title guy, but I want that fourth consecutive division title. I want the rest of these teams to realize that the Braves are still the cream of the crop. Even though in we, the NLEs, yeah. even though like it, we would not even begin the wild card right. uh, with our record. But, you know, we've, we lost our entire starting outfield. Um, we lost our best player and we're still here. Yeah. So, I mean, Soroka, that, that says a lot. We Soroka, lost, Acuna, lost Ozuna. Yeah. You know. Um, missed most of the season. It's it's admirable that we're in this position. Yeah, either way, even if the Braves have, like, an epic true to Atlanta collapse, I'm still proud of them for gutting this out. Um, and there's a lot to look forward to in the future. Austin Riley has established himself as a damn stud. I think that's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, Austin Riley is certainly very exciting. It is interesting with Dansby and the traction of his season. Is he, like, I mean, <laughs> he's the streakiest motherfucker. He, he, he in got the a, he got a couple hits on a um, couple nights ago, and like he asked for the ball after one of his hits, which was hilarious in my That's eyes. Funny, he's probably <laughs> that's some good self-deprecating uh, humor. Yeah, I can yeah, appreciate no, that. He, he's, and he's still playing good defense, so that that hasn't been getting to him. Yeah, but, he can't uh, be benched because one, he can get hot again. And two, he plays the most valuable position in the infield defensively, and he is our best defensive infielder. And yeah. you, you can't, you can't even think about benching Dan. No, and, he, and he, he's starting to hit a little bit in Arizona, so hopefully, hopefully he's getting hot at the right time again. But yeah, I mean, him and Austin were mirroring each other for the longest time in terms of being streaky, and Austin has just pushed push that completely away this year. Like, yeah, he's a legitimate MVP caliber player now. Yeah, it's. Like, that's the best thing that's come out of this season is Austin Riley. Knowing we got, I mean, he's going to be our third baseman for the next six to eight years. I know there's an, another certain individual who believes that we should trade him because he can't get over, what, like some error he made in the playoffs last year? Was that damn, was, was a base running miscue. Um, um, yeah, he said he would never recover from that. Yeah, I think he's recovered from that. He's also mentioned that he will never have a good postseason again. So I guess we'll see if the Braves do go to the playoffs. If Austin Riley goes 0 for 25 in the playoffs. That would be wild. Well, I mean, that's the thing that frustrates me about about this team. is like I'm just – I feel like I've seen this movie before too many times in the Braves offense. Regardless of if it's been this era or bygone eras, teams that rely on the home run – like the 2003 team – stands out a lot to me right now. Like, like I think we lead baseball in home runs or second in home runs or whatever. I think that team hit the most home runs in baseball. That team had Sheffield, Chipper, Marcus Giles on steroids, Javi Lopez on steroids. Um, Was Marcus Andrew Giles Jones, on steroids? I don't know. But, I mean, he had like a you know a 30 home run season or 28 home run he season or something. Yeah, he was a monster. Andrew Jones was crushing it. You know, we had this stacked-ass lineup. And then what, what, what did we do in the playoffs? We lost in five games to the Chicago and 
our offense just was that like sucked. Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor. Yes, that's tough. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's tough. But I'm just well, saying, you got to have those. You got to have those horses in your rotation. Well, we had Maddox and Glavin. Those are horses. And we just couldn't do it. Um, but the offense also underperformed. And I just feel like, you know, that's happened so many times over the years. It's just one thing that always sticks out to me. And this team kind of reminds me of that team a little bit offensively. So it just, I'm just worried that it's just going to be the same old thing. We'll, we'll face really tough Brewers starting rotation. Our pitching will be okay, but not great. And their pitching will be lights out and we'll lose in three or four games. That's, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to say. I want to get there first. Though, I man. do want to like, get there. Yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, I'm like, just saying if we get there, that's my prediction. I want to. See, I still think we win the division. I want to see these guys. I want to see the champagne shower. Sure, I think they deserve it. They do. They it's, played hard all year. It's been a tough year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I'm nervous. Yeah, it's the least confident I've been, like since the nine game winning streak. Yeah, it was interesting. And even I, at that point, I, like I was like, oh, they're gonna turn around. They're gonna be fine. The Mets suck. The Phillies suck. Maybe the Phillies will just like lose three out of four to Pittsburgh. You never know. Yeah. And they could. That's what I'm saying. They've been inconsistent all season. So I'm not I'm not too too worried, but I mean there is cause for pause here a little bit if you're you're getting your plans ready for the postseason. There's a chance. This is Atlanta. Anything can happen. And when I say anything, it's usually the the thing you least want to happen. So we shall see. Well, that's a bummer. All right, Adam. I think that wraps us up for today's Atlanta Zone as Jorge Soler flies out to center field and the Braves lose 6-4. to four. Disgusting. Yeah. What are you going to do? All that being said, let's wrap this show up. Yes, okay. We want to thank everybody for listening this week. And uh, to remind you once again, please download the podcast from your favorite um, podcasting source, whether it be Spotify, Apple, etc. Um Thank you again for your patronage, and we will see you all next week with hopefully being able to report on a Falcons win and the Braves taking care of business against San Diego. Please, please, please. Until then, for all of our sakes, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Oscar Thomas said. One thing I forgot to add, Graham. Oh, yeah. Did you know Tom Brady is 9-0 and all-time against the Falcons? I, I am aware. All right. We can't beat him. Oscar Thomas said. Oscar Thomas said. <laughs> and... Bill Belichick's 8-0 and is going also for 9-0 this year when we uh, play New that's England dis- that's disgusting. on November 18th. Cool, cool, cool. Goodbye. <laughs>